on Advent, which uh, Advent, again, is um, it's just a word we hardly ever use in this church anyway. And it simply means coming or expecting somebody to come. Expecting somebody to come. And uh, there are four themes over the four weeks of Advent, starting with the last weekend in November. And Jennifer preached on faith, which was the first one. And then I preached on hope and love. And today we're going to talk about peace, Christmas peace. And uh, peace is an amazing thing. And I've really enjoyed just my time to prepare this morning. And so I'm looking forward to this time. I want to tell you a little story, but I want to read the, uh, the, our first text, first of all, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. If you've got your Bible app, you can plug that in. Um, if there's, there's a bunch of paper copies of today's notes right there. Lola, would you pass those out to anybody who wants one? Otherwise, you can go to the Calvary app and follow along, and when you click on the scriptures, they pop up from the app, which is kind of fun, too. If you want note, paper notes, raise your hand, and we'll get those to you. There's some over there. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7 are very familiar Christmas passage, and kind of like has to done, do with my T-shirt this morning. So I, I found this T-shirt when I was visiting my dad in Washington State a few weeks ago for Thanksgiving, and I thought, I want that. That is just so powerful. True story, right? All right, let's read. We can read together if you want to read out loud with me. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His, and then the next slide we read goes to the second part of it. The government, excuse me, his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. And then 600 years later, this was fulfilled, at least part of this verse was fulfilled. And we read about this in Luke chapter 2, verses 14 and also back to 11 a little bit. And we remember that the angels say to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom, with whom God is pleased. And in verse 11, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And we know that there are other scriptures in the Old Testament that said it was going to be in Bethlehem. So, so we're going to talk about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, this morning. I wanted to just mention a little story. Um, when I was, um, when my kids were in, when Gabriel was the oldest, was a freshman in high school, we had moved to Seattle, downtown Seattle, Washington. We actually moved to, on the outskirts of the campus of the University of Washington, and we were managing a big 10-bedroom house that was rented out to international students from all over the world. And uh, I had gotten this job, and uh, I was doing, uh, working for a contractor, a, a commercial contractor, helping finish and complete 
six-story condominiums that were built around Lake, uh, or actually it was the bay, uh, the harbor in Seattle there. And uh, my job was to oversee the final finishing touches and walk with the new owners through these years. These are fancy apartments. I think the, the penthouses on the sixth floor sold for $1.3 million. And just the little ones, you know, three-bedroom ones were $750,000. <laughs> so they were pretty nice. And I, and I love my job. I was doing that on the side with being a pastor, associate pastor at a church. And um, anyway, one day my boss said, you know, we are the city of Seattle messed with us and we couldn't get the next permits we needed for our next job. So we have to let you guys go, a bunch of us. And I was really bummed because I loved working for this company and I loved what I was doing. And so I began to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm unemployed. I have been unemployed in a long time. And uh, so I actually started, I went on unemployment, which I'd never, ever done in my life because we had to have food on the table. And I started looking for jobs. And the Lord started speaking to me, that, hey, I'm calling you back into full-time ministry as a pastor. And I was like, oh, no, God, I, I, I know that's really what you've called me to do. And we went up to our district office, and they said, yeah, we really believe that's what God has for you, but we don't have any churches open, so you've got to wait. And I was going, oh, God, I, 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 waiting's hard. I don't know about you guys. Waiting's hard. And here I am. I've got three little boys, and we've got free housing because we're managing this international student uh, house that we're, we're living in. But we had other bills to pay and stuff, and, and, and the unemployment wasn't very much. And so I remember um, I was looking online, and a guy that ha had been my uh, uh, kind of my supervisor when I was working for this commercial builder came to me and said, hey, I know of a job situation. There's a skyscraper downtown Seattle that wants to hire a guy to, to oversee all the maintenance. And this thing is like 60 stories, huge skyscraper. He said it's a really good job, and it pays really well. And it also, you even get to ski free at the ski resort. You get a season's pass. Sounds good, doesn't it? And so I began to just think, God, should I wrestle? I actually applied for the job. And yet something inside me said, That's, you're not called to do that. You're called to be a pastor. And I, I just, I just, I didn't have peace. And finally, when the, the lady called me back about the job and said, what do you see yourself doing in five years? I said, pastoring a church. She goes, sorry, click. Hung up on me. And I had this amazing peace in my heart that I was in God's hands and I'd made the right choice. It was a tough choice because it was choosing to let go of security and position and all kinds of perks and benefits, great insurance and everything in exchange for Maybe I'll find a church to pastor. Anybody relate? Been in a place like that? That's a hard, hard place to be. And I had to listen to the peace of God. And God gave me a peace that I'd made the right choice, but it was hard. It was really hard. So we'll talk more about what happened in just a minute. But let's talk about peace for a second. When it says that Jesus... This Messiah that's going to be born is going to be called the Prince of Peace. That's an interesting word. It's the Hebrew word is Sar Shalom. How many of you have heard the word Shalom before? Yeah, it's the Israeli Jewish greeting. It means peace. Sar, S-A-R, means prince, but it really means chief. So Jesus really, 
better translation. He's the chief of peace. In other words, he's the man that's got peace. He's the source of peace. He's the one that's got peace when we need peace. And um, so hold on to that. Sar Shalom, the prince or the chief of peace. The peace chief, you might want to call Jesus. Now, peace is really interesting. There's levels of peace, and they're kind of like when you throw a rock in a pond and it plunks in and you see these rings start to go out. Well, there's three rings that have to do with peace, and um, each one builds on the previous one. The one that's closest to the, where the rock went in is peace with God. Peace with God. Peace with God is when our relationship with God, whom we, when, we're, when we haven't made peace with God, all of us start out not being at peace with God. We start out in this world, we live for ourselves, we do our own thing, we, we hurt other people, we hurt ourselves, we make bad choices, and because of our sinfulness, we fall short of God's design and His intention that there's a wall between us and God, and it's called sin. And in order for us to be reconciled to God, somebody's got to pay for the damage that was done, that we have done. And that's the good news, is that God sent His Son Jesus to pay to remove the barrier so that we can have peace with God. So I want to read um, Colossians 1.20, chapter 1, verse 20. Through him, Jesus, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. We just talked about that blood as we took communion. That blood made peace for us. God accepted that blood in return for, so that Jesus could cover everything that we've done wrong and God could now receive us without any barriers. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, since we've been made right with God, or in God's sight by faith, we now have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So this morning, the first level of peace that we've got to have is peace with God. You got it? And the only way we have peace with God is to receive the gift that God gave of His Son who covers our sins with His precious blood so that now God sees us. He doesn't see us in our sin. He sees us as righteous with Jesus' righteousness on us. Isn't that an amazing gift? Plus, He makes us His very own sons and daughters. We talked about that last week. John the Apostle talked about that. So this morning, do you realize this piece has nothing to do with feelings? It's a, it's a positional thing. We are made right with God by the gift of His Son that re, we receive by faith. By faith means we become persuaded and we say, God, I want to receive that gift. I want to be right with You. It requires surrender. It requires giving God control of our lives. How many of you know that's not really just an easy thing? I remember battling and struggling to give God control of my life. But when I did, His peace 
I, when I began to have peace with God because I received Jesus as my Lord and my Savior in my life, my boss, then the peace of God started to flow into me. And that's the second level of peace we're going to talk about now. But I want to just ask you, have you made peace with God? Do you know that that obstacle of your sin has been removed and that God can reach out to you and love you and you can reach out to Him and love Him? This is the most important decision you can make in your earthly existence on this planet is to have and find peace with God. And He's the one that has initiated it. All you've got to do is say, I want you. I receive you. Please come. Wash me clean and make me your child. There may be somebody here this morning that's doing that right now. You don't have to come up to the front, although we love to pray with people when they do that. All you've got to do is between you and God say, God, I want to have peace with you. You know, Jesus talked about in a parable in chapter 14, I believe, of Luke. And he said that he talked about a guy that uh, an army was coming against him. And he had a smaller army, and he realized, I'm not going to win this war. I'm not going to win this battle. And so he sent a delegation to make peace with the commander of the army who was coming. And Jesus shared that parable because he wanted us to realize there is going to be a day of judgment, and when the judgment comes, we're not going to prevail. If we haven't made peace with God uh, by his terms, then we will simply experience judgment and separation from God forever. And so this is a great day to make peace with God. So now, like I said, when you make peace with God, all of a sudden the peace of God starts to flood your life. You start to experience the peace of God, which is the gift of peace that God gives to those who trust in Him. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, another Christmas gift here, peace of mind and heart. You say that out loud to me, peace of mind and heart. And he says, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give you. I should hear some amens there. The world does not have that peace to give you. In fact, the world's only going to want your life to go faster and faster and faster until you die. And then Jesus says, so do not be troubled or afraid. I'll read it again. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The Apostle Paul adds to this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Jesus Christ, or excuse me, let the peace that comes from Christ rule or act as umpire in your heart. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So how many of you this morning like that feeling of when you know you're experiencing peace, right? How many of you know that, unfortunately, we don't live in that feeling all the time, right? In fact, Christmas season is one of the hardest seasons to hold on to peace because all of our histories, all of the hurts and betrayals that are connected to our family members and maybe people we grew up with, all those things, it's like somebody tears a scab off and they start to bleed again. 
I know that's graphic, but it really feels that way. When I went home for Thanksgiving, I experienced a little bit of that. I, my dad is a difficult person to deal with at times, and um, we rubbed, and uh, it was hard. I have a feeling that many of you in this room have got relationships, historic relationships, that Christmas is awkward. Christmas is hard. Christmas has conflict. But I love what Paul told us a moment ago. He said, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let means you've got a choice, right? Let the peace of Christ rule means let it call the shots. Let it be in control. There is a peace available. The peace of Christ, the peace of God is available to every one of us, even when we are dealing with conflicts, dealing with family members and situations. God wants to help us. And that's related to the next ring of peace we're going to talk about now. And that's called relational peace. Relational peace. And the way this works is that if I have peace with God, then I begin to experience and have available to me and can tap into the peace of God. And because of that, I can begin to influence and affect my relationships with the people around me. How many of you can say this morning, we could use a little peace in our family? Anybody? Not the only one? Some of you are being honest. Relational peace is different. It's not a feeling at all. It has to do with really dealing with one another with truth and grace and love. It requires that peace with God and the peace of God to be able to even deal with and navigate in this area. Let me read a couple verses. The Apostle Paul said, Jesus made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the from those two groups. Remember, historically, Jews and Gentiles have always had conflict. Jesus said he removed the reason for that. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said, God blesses those who work for peace. And he's talking about relational peace. For they will be called the children of God. And then Ephesians 4, 3, the Apostle Paul says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit Binding yourselves together with peace. In other words, Paul is telling believers in a church like we are, he's saying you guys are going to have to work to resolve conflicts and to find peace with one another. And Paul adds later in Romans chapter 12, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. With everyone. Now, I'm sure some of you this morning are thinking about conflict situations you're experiencing even right now. God wants to help you with that. He wants to help you learn how to see peace transform and change your relationships. <clears throat> My wife and I find us ourselves in a really unusual situation. I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you. We have an aunt and uncle who are, um, I hate to put, people in boxes with labels but it's kind of it'll help you they're very liberal progressive on the political spectrum and the social spectrum uh, they are um, very pro 
current administration in the White House, that you might say. And they, when we went through COVID and even the year before, um, when Trump was running for election, um, they assumed we were Trump supporters and they basically started to wall us off and treat us like the enemy. My aunt and uncle did. So we were way too conservative for them and their opinion. And then we have a niece and her husband on the other side of the family who are incredibly, completely pro-Trump, pro-Rush Limbaugh, pro very, very, uh, you know, gun carrying. I mean, I believe in guns too. I've got guns. But it's, they're just very, very conservative uh, politically. And they look at us as being way too liberal for them. So we are in the middle. We're rejected by the right and we're, and we're rejected by the left. Because our stance is kingdom of God. Jesus first. Republicans fall short. Democrats fall short. And I hate to be put in a box, and I don't want to put people in boxes. But we have people that, because of social media, it's just so easy to just say, well, I know what you are and what you think, because you said this and something you said. And it's just really tragic. But talk about opportunities to make peace and try to be a peacemaker. Let's talk about making peace for a second. I'm sure you're probably thinking of your own situation here a little bit. There's a difference between making peace and keeping peace. How many of you have heard of NATO peacekeepers? They said, you know, NATO, the whatever that stands for, National North Atlantic Treaty Organization. They send in uh, bits and pieces of member state armies to conflict situations to try to protect citizens. Like when uh, Serbia and Yugoslavia and Bosnia were having that horrible war back in the 90s or whatever it was, or early 2000s. They sent peacekeeping troops in to try to protect the Muslim Serbs, or whatever they were, from the non-Muslim, or whatever they were. And um, so here are these troops. But did they bring any peace? They didn't even stop people from killing each other. And if whenever, you, whenever, whenever I see the news and it talks about peacekeeping troops, like in Ukraine, right? It's like, why are we wasting our time? They don't solve anything. They just have a bunch of people there that are not allowed to shoot anybody. And they're just trying to kind of be a little, bit of a little bit of a deterrent. Maybe they do some good in some places, but in a lot of places that I've seen, I don't see it happening. But the difference between keeping peace is that peacekeepers don't do anything to resolve the reason that there's conflict. They don't help the situation. They don't sit people down and go, you need to realize that you did this to them and you need to ask their forgiveness. They don't deal with that. They don't get to the roots of the situations. They basically just try to keep people from killing each other. A peacemaker is somebody who actually goes and deals and exposes the roots of the situation, the elephant in the room we talk about. And um, Jesus talks about this in Luke chapter 19, verse 42. He says, he's talking to the Jews that have rejected him. And he says, How I wish today that you recognize the things that create peace. But now it's too late. 
and peace is hidden from your eyes. So Jesus talked about the fact you can't have peace unless you're willing to deal with the underlying issues that caused the conflict in the first place, right? There's a great story in um, first or Second Kings chapter 9 where we've got a king named Joram, who's the king of Israel at that time, who's, who's a godless, uh, evil man. And he's married, and he, or excuse me, he is, he's uh, allied with King Ahab, who's married to Queen... Anybody? Jezebel. These are just bad people. And um, God raises up a general named Jehu. And Jehu, he tells Jehu to... These people need to be executed. Go to town. And so Jehu gets his group of guys, his soldiers, and they start heading in their chariots to the capital of Samaria where Ahab and Jezebel and King Joram are. And um, they see these guys from the wall of their city. They see this Jehu driving madly in his chariot with all these guys following him. And they send this guy out to see why he's coming. They're, they're no, they don't know if he's a friend or a foe. And uh, so Jor, King Joram goes out there, and he says, Do you come in peace? And Jehu replies, How can there be peace as long as idolatry and witchcraft of your mother, Jezebel, are all around us? In other words, peace only comes when we resolve the underlying problems, the conflict the original hurt, the things that people have swept under the carpet and never acknowledged and, for, and been able to forgive or ask forgiveness for. And that's where a lot of our relationships and our families are, where we're dealing with old hurts. We're dealing with history that's never been resolved. People have never been able to sit down and talk about it. In some cases, it's not allowed to talk about it. I got in a, I don't want to use the, the modern slang for it, a bit of a fight with my dad when we were at Thanksgiving. We were sitting in the parking lot, and uh, my grandma, I mean my stepmom and, and Brooke wanted to go in and help my dad find something at the, in the pharmacy that he really needed. And my dad went in and looked around, didn't see it, came back out and walked out and got in the car and said, we're leaving. And uh, my stepmom and my wife said, we know it's in there. We want to go in and look for it. My dad said, no. And he said, let's go home. And I was driving the car. And I said, no. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said no to my dad before. He was so mad at me. Oh. I just sat there behind the wheel and didn't move. And Brooke and, and my stepmom, Billy, got out and went into the pharmacy and looked around. They got answers, and they came back and got in the car. The interesting thing is that after I stood there and just sat there and wouldn't move, my dad yelled at me for a minute, and then he stopped, and he changed the subject. It's like he was embarrassed that he had gotten mad. And uh, anyway, I think it actually worked out a little bit. It's hard to stand up to your parents when they need it, when we need to, because we have to do it in humility and love, too. So when you're thinking about your conflict situations, what are the root problems? Have you ever really prayed and asked God to help you be a peacemaker instead of just keeping the peace, trying to keep everybody from killing each other? Are you willing to say, hey, could we go have a cup of coffee and 
just talk about something that happened a long time ago. Maybe I didn't get it right. Maybe I misunderstood something. And I know in some cases that's asking for uh, a huge mess. But ask the Holy Spirit to help you because he wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us, as we read just a minute ago, to make peace with everyone as much as is possible. And, you know, he, God, God's saying there through the scripture that not every situation it isn't possible, at least not on your half. You can try, but it has to do with them. They have to respond, too. Related to this is this whole idea of false peace, and that's when people are sweeping things under the rug. Jesus said in First um, Thessalonians, or actually Paul talked about this in First Thessalonians 5, verse 3. He said that there's going to be a time coming in our nation and on this world where, where everybody is saying everything's peaceful and secure. And then, Jesus, and then Paul says, Then disaster will fall on them suddenly like a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Oh, so sweet. There's the other set of twins right there. S. Maria. Is Maria? and Amalia. I'm still working on that. So good to have you guys with us today. Keeping the peace, again, is not being honest about the real, the real reasons, the real problems. It's just basically trying to keep everybody happy. It's more of an en enabling and being uh, codependent and not really being authentic in our relationship. Jeremiah 8, verse 11, Jeremiah the prophet says, about this kind of people they offer. He's talking about prophets here that are saying, peace, peace, everything's going to be fine when they're not dealing with the sin and the reasons why God is bringing judgment in that situation. It says, they offer superficial treatments for my people's mortal wounds. They give assurances of peace when there is no peace. All right, so we've talked about peace with God. Do you have it? We've talked about the peace of God that is available if you have peace with God, at least for you. And then the third level is extending peace out in our relationships to bring resolution to conflicts that we are dealing with with the people around us. And particularly in church, we are called to work for peace and let peace be the thing that binds us together. So important. I had a... Um, a leader who um, misunderstood something that I had communicated. And um, that person finally uh, had the courage to share with me, is this what you meant? This is what I heard. And it was like, what? I did not mean that at all. And we had a really good long talk and got it all sorted out. And I apologized for my poor communication. And this person forgave me. And we resolved it, we reconciled it, and there's peace again. And I just encourage you, take the risk. Love people enough to at least try to be a peacemaker. Anybody here willing to love people enough to do that in church and maybe in your family? I know we're dealing with some pretty bad situations. Ask God to show you how to make a difference. Okay, as we wrap this up, four peace-strengthening activities that we can do. These are ingredients. Remember, Jesus talks about that they didn't understand the things that make for peace. 
Well, here's four things that make for peace, okay? First of all, we have to choose to put God first and live for Him. I'm just going to read a couple of these verses. When people's lives please the Lord, He even makes their enemies at peace with them. Now, there's an encouraging, hopeful verse, huh? In Isaiah 26, 3, God keeps in perfect peace all who trust in Him, whose thoughts are fixed on Him. You get that. Romans 8, Paul says, let your sinful nat- Don't let your sinful nature control your mind. That leads to death. But let the Spirit control your mind. That leads to life and peace. I love that. The second ingredient for making peace is listening to God's counsel. God's got wisdom for us. Not only do we have to live for Him, but we have to listen to Him. Proverbs 1, 33, Solomon says, All who listen to me, actually God says this, All who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. And I'm going to read verse, uh, Psalm 119, verse 165. Those who love your instructions have great peace. And do not stumble. I love it. The third ingredient for making peace is praying about, in other words, talking to God, and it helps to do it out loud, talking to God about the things that are bothering you, the things that are weighing you down, the things that are troubling you. And I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. He says, don't worry about anything. How many people here are good worriers? I am. I put my hand up. Anybody else a good warrior? Yeah, okay, good. People are being honest. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what all He has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love that. I love that. And then the fourth one I want to mention, fourth ingredient for making peace is speaking the truth to yourself and other people. Speaking the truth and always speaking the truth in love. We don't want to use truth. We don't want to weaponize truth, as the saying goes. Proverbs 10.10 says, People who wink at trouble or wink at wrong cause trouble, but a bold reproof promotes peace. A bold reproof. A reproof is like a rebuke. They're saying, hey, that's wrong. Okay? And Zechariah 8, verse 16. But this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and lead to peace. we got to reveal the elephants in the room. We can't keep pretending they aren't there. That's the next slide. Oh, next slide. No, I guess it's... No, I'm sorry. Isn't there an elephant in there somewhere? <laughs> There's the elephant. Okay. Good. Okay. So these four things we need to do. We need to, we, need to, we need to make Jesus first and listen to him. And we need to be willing to, to, to uh, uh, obey what he says to do and, and speak the truth to people that we love. Is that hard to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to do. I'm not saying this is easy. I'm just saying that God will lead you and will help you to do it if you commit to do it his way. All right, the final, final thing about peace is that there is a day coming when we're going to have peace continuously. When Jesus returns, 
We're going to live in a renewed earth. We're not going to live in heaven, okay? Heaven's coming down to earth, we read in the book of Revelation, last chapter. Heaven's coming down, and there's going to be a reign of peace where Jesus reigns on the earth, and those who have been his children and faithful to him will reign with him, rule and reign with him, and it will be a kingdom of peace. And here's that verse, we were the other half of that verse we started with, Isaiah 9, verse 6. The government will rest on his shoulders. Who's, whose shoulders? Jesus' shoulders. His government and its peace will never end. Does that mean somebody else is going to get elected and take his place? Never. Jesus will reign forever. He will rule, I love this, with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The Zechariah prophet adds this, I'm going to remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and that's that last great battle. And your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. Wow. But even before that, because we don't know when that's going to happen, right? I mean, it could happen in our lifetime or it could happen, we don't know. We know there is a day coming when Jesus will come, return a second time and rule on the earth after he deals with uh, his, those who have opposed him and refused him, rejected him. But before that time, we read, the Apostle Paul tells us, we can still, we can still be influencers for peace in this world. In Romans 16, verse 20, I love this. Paul says, the God of peace. Can you say that? The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. We can start to experience peace and deal with our spiritual enemies now. I mean, we read Jesus told us in Luke 10, 19 that, that he's given us authority over uh, scorpions and serpents, which are metaphors for demons, unclean spirits. And he says, and over all the power, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And now that's a whole different journey and then make another series for us to talk about is learning how to deal with the spiritual forces that are behind the broken relationships that we are dealing with with our families. How many of you know that there are spirits that are whispering to people that we love and telling them lies to make sure we stay in conflict and in broken relationships. And God wants to deal with those things. And He wants to enlist you and me in doing spiritual warfare, learning how to walk in the authority Jesus has given us so that we can gag those things that are lying to our loved ones and we can begin to release the spirit of truth to pervade their brains their their thinking their heart so i want to close in by praying some prayers about that in just a second but just real quickly just to review once more you have the peace do you have peace with god are you experiencing the peace of god that is your portion you don't have to live in conflict and and all stirred up all the time you can get back to a place of peace you got to center and focus on Jesus. Invite him back into your circumstances. Let him be first. And third, 
Are you, are you committed to, with the Holy Spirit's help, making peace with the people around you that you've been experiencing conflict with? Are you going to be a peacemaker or just a peacekeeper? Because that ain't going to get you very far. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for my friends in this room. I thank you for your people, your sons and daughters here. I thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that you would help us to, first of all, all of us know and remember, maybe we've just forgotten that you removed the barriers so we could have peace with you. We just want to thank you, God, for making peace, extending peace to us. What a gift. What a gift, Lord you are secondly lord i want to just thank you for the peace of god that we can all experience and i ask that you'd show us what are the particular things that uh, we're allowing to get in the way and show us lord how to get back to that place how to reset and get ourselves back into a place of living in your peace lord maybe some of us need to do some business with you maybe we need to just say god i haven't really been honest with you i've really been kind of doing my own thing Help us, Lord, come back to you and allow you to bestow on us that peace that passes all understanding. It's incomprehensible. And finally, Lord, regarding the, the relationships that we, as members of a family on this earth, are dealing with, maybe it's exes and spouses and aunts and uncles and grandparents and grandkids and nephews and nieces, brothers and sisters, Lord, I know that my family, we've got quite a few little conflicts that people are living with. Lord, I ask for your help. I ask, Lord, that you'd show me how to pray on target. Show us how to pray on target, Lord. Show us how to, what to bind and what to loose, Lord. If we see a spirit, a lying spirit that's operating and whispering in somebody's ears and they are twisting everything that we tell them, And we, we're starting to go, that's a lie. Lord, help us to realize that you've given us authority to bind that thing and to gag it, to shut it down, and to stand in prayer and to release to them the spirit of truth, the spirit of reconciliation, especially this Christmas season, Lord. Help us to walk in that, to walk in the authority you've given us and to be peacemakers. We just thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We ask that you would bless us as we fellowship now and hang out together as we go forth. And we just give you the rest of this day and this next week, Lord. And we ask for your grace and wisdom, Lord, to know how to walk with those around us. We just bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen.